welcome to Logical, the UAE's first and still the only legal podcast. My name is Tim Elliott. Now, Logical is brought to you by the Dubai-based legal firm HPL Yamalaba and Plethka. And as always, here's the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Lovely to see you. It's great to see you too, Tim, as always. And thanks for doing this for us. You're very welcome. Now, this episode is genuinely fascinating. It's one of those real human stories, and it features, for the purposes of this podcast, a lady that we're going to call Anne. Now, recently, and we'll get to the story in a moment, Anne found herself in an unusual situation. She didn't feel well, and finding out what it was, it was something quite unexpected, causing her medical distress. I was having a really bad headache and uh, I didn't know that what it was. I thought my heart, my blood pressure was just really high. That's giving me this extreme headache. So I was brought to one hospital. To mind you, this was the lockdown days here in Dubai. So I was brought to one hospital and uh, they couldn't fix my blood pressure. So I was brought to another hospital the next day. And then one night, I think one Yeah, after one night, they still couldn't bring my blood pressure down. And then the next day, they figured out that there was a baby that's causing my blood pressure to go up. So after figuring that out, I have to go for an emergency CS. That's Anne. Now, stressful Ludmilla really doesn't cover, I guess, how she must have really been feeling. Indeed, because on the one hand, she just found out that um, she was having a baby. And not only that, but that the baby was arriving just in, in just a matter of a few hours at best. And that's for someone who uh, did not know she was pregnant all along. Uh, at one, and then two, also, and this is the, the part of the mixed emotions, is that um, connected to the fact that she did not know that she was pregnant, she wasn't... She, the father of the baby, she didn't even really, that wasn't really factored into the equation either. She wasn't aware who the father of the baby might be. And, uh, and then obviously as a result of that, she, there was, she wasn't married to that at that point. Uh, and, uh, so that's another mixed bag of emotions and being in the UAE. Uh, so, uh, the, there were obviously repercussions and consequences and all those who've lived in the UAE long enough. I always knew that uh, this is just not something that uh, you want to encounter in your life while in the UAE. That is being pregnant out of wedlock because these uh, these kinds of events, and I call them events now, they were considered to be criminal offenses under the law. Yeah, the law has since changed and we'll come to uh, the changes in particular with this story. So this is May 2020. And what what happened for Anne, she was going to go back home. She'd cancelled her visa and was about to leave the country, wasn't she? Yes, that was the plan. And mm. until this this happened and as part of her being admitted to the hospital, because this was an unexpected event, it also resulted in a number of health consequences to her. And the baby was born prematurely, so obviously the baby ended up being in the hospital for extended periods of time. Uh, so required medical care, quite uh, quite close medical care. So both of them ended up being in the hospital. So whatever plans they had to leave the country or she had to leave the country had to be canceled uh, because not only was she in the hospital, but even after she was discharged, the baby continued to be in the hospital uh, until it was safe for the baby and the baby's health to be released. Uh, and But even then, 
prior to being released from the hospital, they she started feel, feeling the pressure of uh, submitting certain documents in order to ultimately be, be released. And this is a general protocol in the hospitals in the UAE when you deliver a baby is that normally you kind of expect that you are pregnant, so you would have perhaps already opened a file with the hospital ahead of time. And as part of opening that file, you'd be registered and submit a number of documents. And the list of documents uh, pertain to, in short, to both parents and, uh, and, and, and their relationship between, and the relationship between the two parents. So among other things, she needed to submit, uh, not only her passport copy and her Emirates ID, uh, but also passport copy and Emirates ID of the father of the baby. And more importantly, also a marriage certificate, uh, none of which she obviously had. Uh, so, and until such time, until these documents were s- submitted to the hospital, the hospital wasn't uh, quite um, too eager to discharge her. So she started feeling the pressure of uh, having to produce some kind of documents just in order to be discharged. So in addition to her medical complications and the baby's medical complications, there were legal complications of uh, having to submit the documents which she did not have. There are two cases ultimately here. I mean, the hospital says they can't issue a birth certificate because we don't have the appropriate documents. I can understand the thinking there. But then a criminal case ensues and obviously a civil case ensues. Can you talk us through what happened from when the hospital said, look, we we can't do the birth certificate. We can't get it issued for you. So... Perhaps it, it didn't even happen that clearly. Uh, okay. It was more, it wasn't that she was um, asked to present these documents in order to have the birth certificate issued. It was more that she was re- required to present these documents as part of her stay at the hospital and right. part of even having a file in the hospital. So I don't believe it was even that clear for her that if you need these documents in order to have the birth certificate. It was more you need to have these documents in order to be able to leave the hospital and and go home. Right. Uh, and so, um, and then at some point, because it, it, it is a, kind of a two-step process, one is we get discharged from the hospital, and two is that you need to submit all sorts of documents and fill out an application for the issuance of the birth certificate. So that was kind of the second step. But uh, since she hadn't even gotten to the second step, she just needed to have the basic documents submitted uh, on who the alleged father was and and their the and the marital status and um, so that, those documents she did not have obviously on hand uh, and uh, how it used to happen in the past is that in these kinds of cases whenever in short there is no marriage certificate the police would get involved and uh, the police would get involved because the hospital once it doesn't have these documents the protocol i guess internal protocol with the hospitals is they need to call uh, they needed to call the authorities and the authorities here being the police because giving a birth without or to a baby without a marriage certificate in the ue at that time was an offense a criminal offense which is falls in the jurisdiction of the police as a starting point. So the police would normally get involved and the mother the, the, would go with with the police either at that point in time straight from the hospital uh, or at some point in time would have to, would be required to appear at the police station and give uh, testimony. I guess in the past, and I say in the past in two different ways, one before the law changed, but also before the pandemic. 
So because before the pandemic, there were often more immediate criminal sanctions uh, in the way that not only would the mother go to the police, but might there, there might have been some temporary also jail sentence or a stay in a jail, at, the, at least at the police station until the, the file was being uh, uh, was being opened and some and populated with some sort of testimony, and then she would be released on bail uh, until the police ends its investigation and gets transferred to prosecution. But because of the pandemic, the police and the, and she did give birth in the in May, as you said, May twenty twenty, which is in the thick of the pandemic when the country mm-hmm. had just shut down. Yeah. So in a way that played into her favor on two different fronts: one with regards to the documents for the hospital, and two with regards to her uh, her visit and her um, interaction with the police. So with regards to the documents to the hospital, she she uh, this this woman is from the Philippines, and so she um she did have what's called a, a common law husband in the Philippines from whom she had children, but they were never married. So, at, but in the very least, she had a, a copy of his passport that she could present to the hospital. And, uh, and if in the past the hospital would have required uh, an original, either the original passport itself or a legally attested copy of the passport. Now, because of the pandemic, those services were not uh, available. So there were legal, legalizing documents was not an option because the embassies and consulates were not legalizing documents. Uh, they limited their services only to the really urgent services. And because of that, the hospitals knew that they could not expect to have uh, original documents or legalized documents or even perhaps have the father be present because the country was <laughs> was uh, closed. Uh, the world was kind of on the lockdown. So there were a few factors that played into her favor uh, where she was able to at least present some kind of documents or just copies of documents and not be questioned too severely because of the pandemic. On the one hand, on the other hand, uh, the police wasn't really also was only really um, focusing their limited resources at the time on the most urgent issues. And and this was not obviously one that was of public safety such that where they and they they wanted to dedicate many resources. So even her interaction with the police was limited. So staying, for example, even the temporary jail sentence or jail uh, or stay in jail was um, and no longer required because the police was really limiting who they would bring in into the police station and who they would hold uh, on their premises. Uh, so that also played into her favor because it was in the thick of the pandemic. The third factor that played into her uh, favor because of the pandemic, everything moved a lot slower. Uh, so in terms of the police getting involved and her giving evidence to the police and uh, and and the, for the police to review and process the evidence in the files uh, and then ultimately the way these kinds of cases criminal cases work in the UAE is that first they start with the police then police does its own investigation and populates the file with whatever evidence then if it feels that there's enough evidence for it to actually be a case then it um, it transfers to prosecution and then the prosecution then either can or reviews the evidence and either dismisses the case if it doesn't have enough evidence or does further investigations and then ultimately argues it to the court so it's a three step process. You have the police, you have prosecution, and then you have the court. So what happened here is because of the pandemic, everything was moving slower, which played uh, significantly to her advantage. So by the time the police finished their investigation, 
and was uh, ready to close or transfer the file to prosecution, the law had changed. Uh, so the law changed in September 2020, just three months after she delivered the baby. While the law changed in September, at least on the books, the world or the country didn't really become aware of it uh, in um, the ways that we were obviously aware of now until about December or so of 2020. So by, by the time her file was transferred to the police, the law had changed. Uh, not, not the police, but the, by the time her file was transferred to prosecution by the police, the law had changed. And um, the day the prosecution received her file from the police, that very same day, they opened a file or a case, which they administratively were required to do, and they closed it that same day. So they needed to have a case file in order to be able to open it and close it. And they closed it on the grounds that, that the prosecutor, that is, that this was no longer a crime. Uh, so a very interesting turn of events, in particular because it applies to an event that used to be a crime, and it happened before the law changed. So in legal terms, while it's expected that the new law would apply prospectively to all the things that happen uh, after the law was introduced, here it was also applied retrospectively to an event that happened before the law was introduced, which was criminal. So it was... Um, it really, there were a number of factors that played it to her advantage because if it weren't for the pandemic, she would have ultimately, uh, upon discharge from the hospital, she would have ended up uh, in with the police and then ultimately in jail, which was the um, the previous method of dealing with these kinds of cases. It's it's interesting because back in September uh, last year, we were aware that things were starting to change in the legal system here and there. It's a number of things happened. We've done lots of podcasts on that. Uh, and that leads to a criminal case being dismissed. But there is still no birth certificate for the baby. So in the absence of a marriage certificate, in order to get that birth certificate, you had to file a court case Yes. So the first uh, and the biggest hurdle, and that is for this particular event to be considered a crime, was was ultimately resolved because it was no longer a crime. So that was a huge uh, relief and a huge burden off her shoulder and, and shoulders or in our shoulders. So, so the first part of it, okay, this is no longer a crime. I don't need to go to jail and I don't need to go to jail with my baby. Uh, and uh, as a result, and ultimately you know, serving time in, in, in jail with especially a newborn is, is quite an experience, obviously. And then the result would have been deportation after that. So the, the first uh, realization, that's great. I don't need to, have to go to jail. Uh, hooray. Uh, once that passed, okay, but now I'm happy to go. Now I'm going to go home. Uh, back home to the Philippines. But to go back home to the Philippines, the baby needs to have a passport to, to go. The baby needs to have legal identity. And to have legal identity for the baby and then particularly apply for the passport, the baby needs a birth certificate. So that's when the issue of the birth certificate really came into light. Uh, and the hospital still would not... Um, it would not produce the birth certificate. And I want to clarify one thing is it's not the hospital that produces the birth certificate. It's actually the Ministry of Health that issues it. But the hospital is is a, a, a moderator, I guess, in the process. 
And in the past, it would be through the hospital that you would make the application for the birth certificate, and it would be through the hospital that the birth certificate would become available. But it's not the birth, the hospital itself that issues the birth certificate. Right. So the hospital obviously wasn't able to uh, to produce uh, to give her the birth certificate because, for the, in the eyes of the hospital, she still had not produced the right documents in order to submit the application. And so this is where. We got involved uh, more significantly and uh, tried to to, to, um, understand what perhaps we were hoping the new protocol would be for the issuance of the birth certificate. And so in short and in legal terms, there are specific regulations that govern the issue of birth certificates. And these regulations, importantly, are a separate source of uh, legal authority from, for example, the criminal law. Uh, which had changed. And the criminal law, in particular Article 356, uh, changed by virtue of the change in the language, which uh, in the past it penalized any kind of um, relationship, it was called the assault on honor, even if consensual. The new wording of the law ultimately only penalized uh, relationship, or not relationship, but only uh, assault. So it was no longer assault on honor, even if consensual, but just mainly physical assault or uh, or rape. Uh, so while the fundamental law changed, the regulations on issuance of the birth certificate, which is a different source of law, has not changed. And in relevant terms, uh, the uh, the regulations require, as part of the application of the birth certificate, require uh, all the details on the father, and that is uh, passport and the father himself. And in the very least, if the father is not available, the um, uh, a legalized and original copy of the father's passport and, and OC and ID and all sorts of other documents from the father, one. And two, the original marriage certificate. And the marriage certificate has to be at the very at least uh, six months from the time that the baby, between the time that the marriage occurred and the baby arrived in order for it to be considered legal or valid for the purposes of issuance of the birth certificate. So these are the regulations that are very detailed in terms of what the authorities uh, require uh, will require from parties before they um, they can issue a birth certificate and authority being the ministry of health so um and those regulations have not changed so therefore the hospital could not in legal terms do very much of anything because they needed to follow the regulations and the regulations required marriage certificate among other things and uh, so we approached the ministry of health and um, worked from different angles with trying to identify representatives of the Ministry of Health who can shed some light about how they're going to handle these kinds of cases now that the fundamental law had, uh, has changed. And in short, once again, they were limited in what they could do because the regulations that, uh, which uh, govern the issuance of birth certificates and in particular the Ministry of Health or, or to which the Ministry of Health is subject, they haven't changed. So, And they are not the legislative authority or the, or the judicial authority to be able to change those on their own just because the fundamental law has changed. So you then decide on a strategy that you would file a court case to issue a birth certificate for Anne's child without naming a father in it. Um, and that that strikes me as being, that's, that's kind of a brave new world, isn't it? 
It is a brave new world. And the reason we decided to, well, not, it's not much a matter of decision. It had to be done. There were no sure. other options because as part of the requirements in these birth certificate regulations is that if there is no father or there's no marriage certificate and the marriage certificate is less than six months uh, or um, uh, any other kind of circumstances that basically fall outside of the, the, the norm, then what you need to submit uh, in exchange, for example, in lieu of the marriage certificate is a court decision. So the, the requirement of submitting some sort of a court decision is also part of, uh, part of this birth certificate regulation. So uh, while we tried to, we were hoping that that requirement would be, uh, would, would go away uh, in line with or in accordance with the substantive law changing, it has not gone away still today. So therefore, the only option was to, to submit a document in lieu of the marriage certificate and, and the father's passport copy or, or passport uh, was a court document. So we decided to, uh, while we tried to see if, if we could do it and reason with the authorities and, and do it without the court document, ultimately it was obvious that the only option right now is to follow the process uh, as it always existed. So the court process. Now, what did change, however, with the court process is there is a fairly new judicial tool that is now available and has been used quite um, quite frequently for different other kinds of matters, and it's called uh, order on petition, which is an expedited judicial tool. So it's not your full-blown court case. It's, it is also done through the court, uh, but it is an expedited process that, for example, at the, as a first stage does not require for the the party or the defendant to be served, which in of itself used to take quite a bit of time and and procedural headache uh, to uh, just to, to to for the case to start. So the order of petition does not require that, and so we chose uh, after much research uh, to proceed with the order on petition, which in relevant terms uh, is um, you file a case against some other party. Uh, and then the court uh, issues a decision, at least by law, within a, a day or two. And then once the court issues a decision, unless it has some questions along the way, once you have the decision, then you serve the decision on the other party. So but because of that, it's a, it's a, a less confrontational uh, approach. It's um, uh, and it's it's and it's obviously a lot more expeditious. So we chose to proceed with this order and petition. Step number one was file a court case. Step number two, what kind of a court case? It was going to be an order on petition. Step number three, who are we filing the case against? So there is there is a, a concept in the UAE legal system, which is called, which has in the past been used for similar cases like this, and it's called proving of lineage, where ultimately you go, you file a case against the father. Well, in this case, we didn't really have an identifiable father. So uh, there wasn't even this uh, proving of lineage was not uh, an option that we could really exercise because we could not come up with some hypothetical <laughs> being out there uh, in legal terms that wasn't going to be, uh, that wasn't uh, going to work. So what, but at the end we thought logically and, and um, who is it that we want to be the party and the party is the ultimate authority that would issue the birth certificate in this case the ultimate authority that issues birth certificate is the uae ministry of health and uh, since we didn't have the father to to file a case against for proving of lineage uh, the only other option for us was to go and file a case uh, directly against the authority that would issue uh, these documents 
because ultimately as part of the case, what we would request from the court is a decision to the authority or order to the authority to issue birth certificates. So the the authority, the Ministry of Health seemed like a a logical uh, candidate. Uh, not sure if it has ever been done before. So, and there's a lot of debate internally about doing that. And at the end, because of this format of this judicial tool being the order and petition, it's truly not an adversarial kind of relationship. It's more almost an administrative. So we chose that it would be if the authorities thought it was an improper, they would tell us so and we would know. And since we are truly in the thick of the legal history in the making, we thought this would be an interesting opportunity for us to just, and if we're and for the courts, ultimately, to learn and set as a precedent. But let's just quickly hear from Anne once again on how she hopes that if this does set that precedent, that it's good news for others in a similar situation. There's like 200 more of us here, and I'm the only one who got the birth certificate at the moment. So if this would help others to get process the birth certificate, it would be really a good big help for them to have at least a guide what to do and then where to go. Because like me, they're also very stressed at the moment on how to keep up with the daily uh, expenses for the babies. And they also wanted to go home. So if I was able to get one with the help of uh, Madame Ludmila, then I hope they all can get one as well so they can also all go home. That's Anne once again on the precedent that her case may well have set. So the court ultimately issues an order to the, the concerned authority, the Ministry of Health in this case, to issue a certificate. So you, you've kind of created or been able to use a procedure because ultimately this it turns out that this is a procedural step, doesn't it, in, in legal terms, Ludmilla? Yes, yes, it's it's a procedural step. And while the court still needed to review the substantive documents in order to decide what, uh, basically, what order to, to issue, uh, but it is a procedural step. Procedural step, that is, we needed a court document to give to the authorities so that they would issue the birth certificate. And uh, this, in order to apply for this court document, we needed to submit, uh, you know, to actually file a case and submit documents as part of the case. And it was interesting in this particular case because so in addition to submitting the documents, what are the documents that we're submitting to the court? Well, it's the it's Anne's own uh, identification documents, passports and such. Uh, but in also we submitted the history of the case and, and the police file uh, or the relevant documents from the police file. Uh, but uh, and we did this because our request to the court was please issue please issue an order for the issuance of the birth certificate and in the name only of the mother. Uh, so there is no father, and the reason there is no father, we substantiated that with the uh, with the relevant excerpts from the police file. Mm. Because how do you ask the court uh, to issue? a decision to the Ministry of Health where there's only one parent. So you need to be able to justify it. So as part of our substantive case in this in this procedural step, we also argued that this, the birth certificate should be issued only in the name of the mother and justify that uh, in some some reasonable terms, which we did through uh, through relevant excerpts of the police file. Uh, and yes, so, and at the end, the court issued to our, I have to tell you, so to really, truly to our surprise, and it was a very big day in the office and a massive cause for celebration. And it was a very, 
a, a very happy day in the office because we received the court order that uh, with that very decision uh, to the Ministry of Health to issue a birth certificate in the name of the mother only. Uh, and also as part of uh, as part of this uh, decision, what we also found quite groundbreaking was because of the previous criminal case, there was a lot of confusion and there were different facts and different names in the police file itself. There was mismatch between the potential different names of potential father and such. And in fact, there's another document before the birth certificate is issued and it's called the birth notification, which is used as a, a foundational document before the birth certificate is issued. And in this birth notification document, there was a name of a different man that was already included. So, um, so through this court process, not only we were requesting for the court to issue, uh, to, for the Ministry of Health to issue the birth certificate, but also to correct already existing record where there was a, a name of a man that appeared in the birth notification, which was not the correct name or not the correct person. So we asked the court, please uh, correct the record and ask for the hospital to amend the birth notification and remove the name of that man and on the back of that issue the birth certificate which obviously only has the name of the mother and the court issues the issue the decision exactly mandating that uh, so um, um so that's what happened a very happy day in the office Lord miller i don't often ask you personal questions because you know i feel that this is a professional relationship uh, of course but just tell me what made you take this case on because i should point out that Anne was not in a situation where she was able to hire a legal team you did this pro bono i.e for no money indeed yes we, we did it pro bono and the reasons were multifaceted one is as perhaps as um as unlikely as it may sound but we, and this is a cause that we as legal practitioners care about. Uh, and uh, I've been practicing law in, in the UAE for the last 14 years and, and have heard a lot of stories and seen a lot of cases that um, used to lead to rather severe uh, circumstances or consequences. People's lives would be turned upside down. And so... Um, uh, for some, and it's not just the life of the mother, but it would also be the life of the father and ultimately the baby. So it's, it's a cause that was dear to us as legal practitioners. And so we were very, um, uh, very excited and very welcoming of the legal change. Uh, and, uh, so that in itself at a substantive and, and a kind of a personal level, um, this was a, a huge, uh, a huge announcement and a huge development for us. And we're excited about it on the one hand. On the other hand, as legal practitioners, we also wanted to see what it really meant in real life and how it would, uh, how it would be applied and how quickly it will be applied. So there is also professional curiosity and inquisition to understand and, and see how this very, very new law uh, would uh, apply and, and how quickly. And in particular, this, this particular law was so important because emotionally, psychologically, and culturally, uh, this is an issue that uh, very few people thought would actually be changed so quickly and to this extent. And in fact, the cultural uh, perception and perhaps psychological perception still remains to this day where a lot of people believe that this is not the case, that these... Uh, 
pregnancy out of wedlock are still criminal and and even in our in our search for trying to figure out what's the best way to issue a birth certificate we spoke with many representatives uh, from government representatives to uh, uh, police representatives to uh, uh, regulatory representatives to even other legal minds and still it was quite interesting to see how the perception remains uh, so the perception that it's still a crime and that there will be severe consequences. And for us, so therefore it became also a matter of professional curiosity and, um, and determination to show that it's not the case. The law has changed and therefore we need to change perception. But to be able to really speak about that with that level of confidence, we needed to have an actual case at hand. Uh, so, so there was a, a personal motivation. There's a professional motivation. Uh, and uh, also there was, um, I guess, a social reason, and that is uh, this particular person uh, we knew uh, about or through a, a contact or a client of the firm. So um, she was a natural person for us to want to to help. Uh, so I, I knew this person because she was of tremendous help to somebody I used to a, a friend of the firm who I care very deeply about. So I wanted to help. I also wanted to help uh, um, our client, our friend of the firm and my personal friend and uh, and this particular person, our, you know, Anne, that is, um, she was extremely helpful and, uh, and a tremendous support for my friend. So I just thought I wanted to, you know, personally also to be able to help. Here's Anne once again. So when my case was dropped, they approached me. They wanted to help me out with getting the birth certificate for the baby. And uh, thankfully, they did what they had to do. And yeah, it was a successful. uh, It's just the help of all the loving people behind me as well. If if I did it alone, I don't think I'll be able to survive all this. And there, and you can really hear uh, the emotion because, I mean, one of the things I should point out at the time of recording, uh, we're not even in the middle of August 2021. The birth certificate was issued on August the 2nd, not even, what, 10 days ago, Ludmilla? Yes, it's um, it's really a very emotional uh, result and an emotional time because it has taken over a year for you know, for her to actually have some kind of legal documents for her baby, for her baby's legal existence. And now with these documents, she has the ability to leave the country and, and start a new life. Uh, and, and that's what she's choosing to do. She's going back home to the Philippines with her baby and um, she will have a family. And that's so incredibly exciting. And that's after... Uh, after ultimately about a, a miserable year and uh, you know something in the miserable year which um, uh, which stemmed from rather what should have been a very happy moment in life uh, i.e the birth of the baby but because of of the legality surrounding these kinds of events in this country it ended up being a very challenging a very emotionally difficult year and there's all the other aspects to to this um, that also cause and why make it so emotional is that as we know in this country, we can only live and sustain ourselves if we have a job and we get paid. But because of the different uh, aspects of this particular case, she, she could not, her visa, because for so long her passport was with the authorities, obviously her visa had expired, so she had over um, overstay fines, uh, and she didn't have an actual visa to, to work and to earn a living. And now you have a baby to take care of, and the baby uh, could not have a, 
um, a medical or insurance uh, coverage because the baby doesn't have legal identity. She did not and did not have um, uh, ability to really properly earn a living for uh, you know, not only her baby, but even for herself because of her sort of the, the, the challenges to her own legal status in the country, in, in particular immigration. Uh, so, um, so by the end, fast forward a year plus, a year and a half later, now she finally has the birth certificate at hand and on the back of the birth certificate. By the way, also we helped her with waiving fines, immigration fines for at least, uh, when the court uh, decision was issued, we went to the immigration authorities and showed them the court decision and they were able to waive at least those fines. So with with this uh, and with the court decision, with the birth certificate and the waiver of the fines, uh, now there's also option of leaving the country uh, without a criminal record, and so you can come back into the country. You can still come back, and uh, I mean that's and that's the also another groundbreaking development to this to this new law because in the past, when you after you've served your sentence for one year, you'd be deported, and the deportation is for life. So uh, at least now that's no longer uh, the only option. And, and then, you know, the final reason, the motivation for us in doing this is because we know uh, firsthand and full well that there's so many other women out there that are affected by this. So we thought if we um, can do and can have a, have a firsthand test case uh, in our hands, then we can share with the greater public, with the, uh, the greater community and empower them, all those other ones, uh, to at least know that there is there is a light at the end of the tunnel and what the process is all about and how to follow it. And so help educate uh, the, the public and uh, hopefully allow them to help themselves. Because let's face it, we are only a small team, so we could not take uh, all of these pro bono cases ourselves. But certainly, uh, having done what we've done, we have the substantive information, which is exactly what we are doing uh, through this podcast, is it set out a, a roadmap that would allow others to follow suit. And um, that it truly is perhaps the main reason why we're doing it is just to to educate uh, to educate the, the the public about what the new law is and what its implications are and how to apply it to their own personal cases. Let's give the last word to Anne. For the LY law and for the whole team, I'm, I'm very, very thankful that they stepped in and helped me out because I think if they didn't, I wouldn't be able to get what I needed for Gabe's birth certificate because nobody else could answer me what I needed to do, actually, only them. So I'm very, very thankful that they helped me through through all of it. And then uh, it was a very successful effort for all of us. And thankfully, you are going home, <laughs> thanks to them. Thank you for all the help. Well, it's great to hear from Anne, and uh, I appreciate how emotional this case was for her. It was equally emotional for us, even though we were just her advocates in this case. Uh, but um, I am really pleased with the result, and uh, Anne's own comments speak for themselves. And that's another episode of Logical, this time a recent case in which Anne received a birth certificate for her baby, despite being unmarried here in the United Arab Emirates. As always, our legal expert here on Logical was Ludmilla Yamalova, managing partner here at Yamalova and Pletka in JLT. Thanks, Ludmilla, for your time and, of course, uh, for your legal expertise as well. Tim, thank you very much for having this discussion with uh, with me and uh, with Anne. It's a, it's a very groundbreaking development in our history, and we're very excited to be able to share it. And you are the perfect man in control to bring this and break this news uh, to the world. 
Appreciate the thought. It's easy to find us at LY Law on social media. And we've also now got an easy to search library of hundreds, and I mean that, hundreds of podcasts on all manner of legal issues and precedents in some cases here in the UAE that are free to listen to. To have a legal question answered, however, in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, just click the contact button at lylawyers.com.